Leonard P. Zakem Bunker Hill Bridge. Bunker Hill, 1775, a battle took place right across the way here in Charlestown, the bloodiest battle of the whole Revolutionary War. Welcome to Occupations, the podcast, where we discuss what it's like to hold specific jobs. Occupations is brought to you by LotsOfMaps.com, where you fulfill your vintage map gifting needs. Visit LotsOfMaps.com. Hi, and welcome to Occupations, where we learn a little bit about what people do and what it takes to do those jobs. My name is Andy Jagelinzer, and I'm your host. And I'm here with Steve Heffernan, who is a Boston Duck Tour driver and narrator. And uh, Steve, welcome. Hello there, Andrew. We're called conductors. Conductors? With a duck in the middle. Oh, very conductors. clever. Very clever. Uh, that's very good. I, I always like the, uh, the cleverness of, um, of duck tours, for sure, because uh, they certainly allow you guys to do a lot of really fun things. And I've taken your tours a few times and, uh, and uh, had a lot of fun. So um, welcome. And um, we're here to learn a little bit about, about what it's like to be a duck tour driver. So um, tell me, how, how long have you been working for the ducks? This is uh, the ending of my 13th season. Wow, thirteen yeah. years—that's a lot of a lot of time. And how long have they been in business? Do you know the Ducks? Yeah, the Ducks started in '94 in Boston. Okay, and they had only four ducks at the time, and they started late, like in September, I think. Okay, and they came back and started growing after that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about the the vehicle, because that obviously is really probably the big seller of the whole thing. Um, you know, other than the conductors. Um, but that certainly is a big seller. Uh, tell me a little bit about the vehicles. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me about that. And since I've been driving for 13 seasons, you think I would know. And luckily, <laughs> I, I looked up the sign that we have in the cockpit. And, uh, oh, it's 36 feet long. <laughs> it is 11 uh, feet 9 inches tall and 8.5 feet wide. And I believe it's 20 tons. Uh, with with people on it, twenty tons. Now we originally had about um, I think it was about sixteen ducks from the nineteen forties. Wow! Uh, and then we had uh, the newer ones that were made in the Midwest. And now uh, over the years they would retire some of the old ones and get new ones. And now we have we have twenty eight ducks. Wow! And none of them are from the nineteen forties. Got it. Got it. And are they basically the same as the is the old ones, are they making them the same way they, they originally were? Uh, they are bigger and they are, oh yeah. Yeah, wow. the old ones, the old ones were open in the back, so there were seats in the back and facing the other direction, which is interesting. Mm. And they were lower to the ground and uh, they always felt a little like a, a little sports car compared to the, to the big ones. Um, now we just have all the big ones. So it's all the same shape and same look. Um, but and the old ones too we had they were built in the 40s they they didn't go to the war because if they were sent overseas they never came back right so i think some narrators would kind of make you feel like they were in the these ducks were made for the war or they'd say these ducks were in the war and like there wouldn't be any bullet holes or anything because if they got sent overseas they never came back right um but these ones are, are bigger and and just more reliable in the water is the big thing which i like <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about, um, well, wh- what's it like to drive one of these beasts? Now, that is a big, big vehicle and probably dangerous. And uh, I know you don't speed through the city, so I'm sure that's a big part of of, uh, of driving it. But uh, I know that's a that's a pretty, pretty big beast to drive. Very, very true. Uh, we have m- mirrors all over the place. So technically, there are no real blind spots. And I should say that we had a big change uh, six years ago when we went from being um, someone like me who drove and narrated to now we have drivers and narrators on every duck. So we have two people on every duck. So there's somebody who's responsible for driving and then someone else who's responsible for narrating. Exactly. Got it. Got exactly. It. And um, and I miss I miss the energy of doing it all myself because it was it was fantastic. I mean it was it was amazing to be in control of all of it and it was your show. And now the driver and narrator have to be a team and and figure that all out. Sure. Um, and we've added over the years we've added sensors. 
So they're now uh, the, the the front right is where all the action takes place because these cars will come and try to sneak in in front, and if the duck doesn't see them right away, they'll, they could, you know, take off their mirror and and maybe run into their hood or something like that. So there's a sensor there. If, even if a bicycle came up and stopped at a at a red light, we it would go off like someone sitting right there in the front. And you got the narrator is supposed to help. Um, like you got a car coming up on your right. This guy's gonna squeeze in. Look out! You got a bicycle. So while we're narrating, sometimes we say, "Hey, hey, Bob, look out for this guy." So you've got another set of eyes. You've got the sensors. We now have um, video um, that uh, video screens that are right there in the cockpit. Well, we don't usually call it cockpit, but we'll call it cockpit. So you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, and as a tech guy, you'll appreciate this. Um, one of the views is looks like there's a drone overhead. Oh. It's real time. It's a composite of all the cameras. And if someone came by or someone on the crosswalk, it's re- it's real time. So people will see that. Uh, the guests will see that and go, how are we getting that shot from a bird's eye view? And that's that's what's going on. So sure. there's a lot of safety stuff on the ducks that they didn't used to have. Um, they've been adding and adding. So it's a real mix of old world technology and new world technology for sure. With yeah. uh, with that, that's great. Um, and uh, and for those of you who don't know, these these trucks slash cars. You call it a truck? It's well, a duck. It's a duck. So it's, it's, it has it's, it's a D U K W. It's a it's a it's duck. Got its own uh, uh, designation. Um, so for those of you who don't know, these things drive right into the water. Mm-hmm. What's that like? I love splashing in the Charles. I love we go in the mighty mighty Charles River, and uh, we have our own dedicated ramp over uh, across the street from the Museum of Science, and people get very excited about it. It's fun to learn. Uh, the ducks uh, respond very slowly to the um, to the helm, and so. Uh, in the beginning when you're learning, you're turning and nothing's happening. So you're going towards a wall and you're like, this is not working, it's not working, it's not working. <laughs> and then it kicks in. And, and so once you know it, you know how to do it. Um, but there's there's definitely lots of duck colors on the wall there when training, kind of going into the wall. and um, But it, it never gets old. And it's also great because one of the, I mean, I'm sure every, every job has uh, something you don't like about it, right? There's some negativity. One of the big things for the ducks is traffic. If if we didn't have any traffic, you know, that job would just be heaven. Right, And then, right. you know, traffic comes in, you're like, oh. But then you splash in the water, and there's no traffic. And if there is traffic, it's fun traffic, which, like, like you know, the 4th of July, we get lots of private boats. And I love that kind of traffic, and we get in the water, and that's fun. So you know you have at least 20, 25 minutes of the tour where traffic's not a problem, and you get out in the water. And, and it's interesting, too, because it changes the, the pace of the tour changes because when you're on the street, you want to hit, oh, and this is this church, and this is, and then you're coming up here, and this is happening, and watch, and you've got to kind of boom, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom. And then you get in the water and you go, okay, now we've got some time to relax. I can tell some longer stories. And, and so it's, it's a nice little change of pace. So I assume nobody gets fishing poles. Fishing poles. Uh, no. You don't pass those out while you're out in the Charles. I do. I have in my bag here. Um, uh, what I've done is, and I stole this from another narrator. Um, I will, on some tours, um, take this glass that I have a string tied around and dip it in, in the water to show people what it looks like. So people think it's going to be dark because it's a long story, but uh, the Charles looks very dark. Um, but when you p- take out the water, it's it's clean and it's rated swimmable most days of the year. Nice. And so uh, I will lean over and get that sample. Can I say more about the vehicle? Yeah, please. Um, the height of it is awesome because uh, silly me, uh, when some of my cousins were in town one time and it was the off season. I said, I'll take you through the city. I'll, I'll kind of do my tour. And we were in a little car and we're driving. And I go, oh, wow, you can't see anything from town here. Also, the windshield's open, which I think is cool. Now, you're a bit of a car guy. Uh, what was it? The thing. I think. How many cars' windshields go down? Very few, right? Yeah. A couple Jeep, Jeeps, exactly. old Jeeps. And, yeah. But to be able to just push that windshield down, um, is you get the breeze. I mean, we had such a hot summer this year. It saved, it always saves us, that breeze coming in and just the views. And um I love that the windshield goes down and that you get, you're up high. You got a great view. It's you, you're just cruising through town and you it's it's a nice thing to do. It really is. That's awesome. It's uh, it's an unusual vehicle for sure, and 
to build a business around that is a great idea. I, I think the ingenuity to uh, to start a business based on that is really uh, unusual because you know before these things came up came upon us, it was nothing but land based uh, tours, and I'm sure they're they're all wonderful, but it's gives a whole new dimension to uh to it's true it started in um the wisconsin dells Mm -hmm. and uh do you know that area i've I've been there yeah i've been there there. many 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 years ago started there somebody started that and our founder andy wilson who sadly i never got to meet um he went there and saw the the the, uh, tours there and he said let's bring this to an urban setting so i'm pretty sure we were the first urban setting for uh, DUKWs. Yeah, so Duck, and that all stands for something, uh, military. Um, and we talk about it on tour. I mean, I, I don't want to go into my tour, but I'll probably dip into it. Um, but uh, some people say Duck Boat, and uh, the media always says we're about the Duck Boats for the championship parades. Right. But, you know, for people in the biz, like it's, a, it's just a duck. It's a duck. That says it all. Get the duck. And, but everyone says Duck Boats. Great. Anything else you want to talk about with the vehicle Well, I should itself? tell you what the duck means. I mean, a duck, D is the military designation for 1942, because oh. that's when they were designed. U means utility vehicle. And the K means a front-wheel drive, like K, a K car, I guess. And they said if you make a K, it looks like it has a, an arrow. So it's front-wheel drive. And W was um, two rear axles. So huh. that's how you get the D-U-K-W. Very interesting. And so, so it has nothing, to, has nothing to do with the fact that it goes on land and on in the well, water. Well, then, of course, the military guys <laughs> are like, well, it goes in the water. Let's call it a duck. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the job. So um, unusual job. I mean, uh, you know, a tour, a tour driver is unusual enough, um, and you have to learn how to drive a bus or whatever vehicle you're driving. But um, to be able to take this, uh, you know, onto the sea or in, into the, the Charles River and, and continue it that way. And, uh, and let me ask you this, um, because it goes in the water, I would imagine you need special licensing on land and on water, I would assume, as far as being able to drive it. What, what kind of licensing does it take to drive that vehicle? That is very true. So when I started 13 years ago, um, I did not even have, I didn't have a boating license. Some of the early guys in the 1990s were all captains. That's where they got them. So the captains would, would drive these. Um, but then they started doing where you had people coming from all different things, like maybe a comedic background or historic background, something like that. So they had to train us. So they trained me so that I could get my boating license from the Coast Guard. And that's what you you need now. It's it's not extensive. It's um called a launch tender license, but it's still a Coast Guard license, and you have to keep it up. And so you have to have uh you know your physicals and that kind of thing. So we have a CDL commercial driver's license, and that went up to a a B. Uh, so we were C, I think. And um, since um Americans and other people are getting heavier, <laughs> we because it's the weight of the vehicle. So when the guests, all the weight of the guests went up, we had to upgrade our licenses to a, a class B. Um, yeah, because, yeah, it went, it must have gone over. The, it was like, well, now that is a class B. It used to be a class C, <laughs> at least classified as one. So we have, uh, and we also got a TWIC card, which is Transportation Workers Identification Credential. And uh, that allows you, it's just kind of a, a it's a Homeland Security thing. But so that you can go into like wharfs and things like that. And we only we need it because we pick up at the um cruise ships. And if we go in right. the wharf there. So yeah, you got a Twit card, you got a Coast Guard license, a CDL, and then the Jitney and the Hackney from Boston and Cambridge. And uh and we get trained in L C P R and first aid, so you get those things. So yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Much more impressive than uh, than the average person would think uh, to be trained to be able to do that job. You, you don't think of things like CPR training and things like that, but that's True. certainly helpful. Being a public uh, in the public and and knowing that we're all getting heavier and more likely to uh, have a heart attack, <laughs> it's nice to have CPR training. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about about training. So you get the job. You go for an audition, or what, what do you need to do to prove that you are worthy of becoming a duck driver? Yes, you're exactly right. And auditions are in early December. So, uh, yes, you, you come in and um, you do kind of like some improv stuff. They don't know how many people they actually need to hire until kind of the season starts in, in um, the spring. 
And so they, they offer some people the job, and then they might come back and offer some other people a job, and some people drop out, that kind of thing. Great. Um, do they need to test your memory skills? I mean, obviously, you're, you have to memorize a ton. Um, is there something along the lines of that? Are they looking for – well, and let me ask you this, too, because I know that each driver has their own personality. Are they expecting you to sort of show your personality, tell them your idea for a personality right there in the, in the, um, the audition, or no? Yeah, so we all have a character, and my character is uh, Jigsaw. And when I made it, they had only made one horror movie about this guy, <laughs> Jigsaw. And I was like, well, that'll go away, and no one will know about it. <laughs> I think they've made eight or so, and one of them was actually called Jigsaw. Um, but the reason I did it is because I create games, and I talk about there is a big gaming history in Massachusetts. Uh, so Milton Bradley started in Springfield, and Parker Brothers started in Salem. And that can weave in some game stuff. But most people for the auditions don't have to have a character ready to go. Um, we've got some people now, uh, some of our narrators who have moved into kind of a management position of helping people create their characters. Great. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, we're going to get to, I guess, uh, like a typical day kind of thing. Um, but one of the questions one of the older guys asked, um, actually it was like his main question. His name is Groovy. And uh, Groovy um, was from, you know, well, he's about 75 now or so. But he would say, are you going to show up to work? Because <laughs> he goes, this is not a desk job. You can't come back the next day after you take a day off and say, well, I'll just get to the paperwork that backed up, you know, while I wasn't here yesterday. So if you don't show up, someone else has to do your tours. So that was his main thing was, I want to know, are you coming to work? We need people going to come to work. <laughs> right to the point, right? Yeah. I guess we can't do your job without you, right? We can't, yeah, you yeah. can't do it like yep. later. You, you can't choose when to do it. <laughs> Is there anything else about the audition? Well, we do hatch. We get hatched is what happens. And so as a, as a duck person. Um, so you start the training and... And nowadays, it's more you're either going to be a driver or a narrator, as I said. Now, there can be people who still do both. And there are people like me who did both, so we still do it. But some people can be hired now to do both. but Not at the same time, time, but one yes, at a time, right. right. Um, but so when you get hatched, that's when they they let you actually take out real people. And uh, so that's interesting. But it, it took us, um, I want to say about two months because just learning how to drive and taking the boating classes to get our license and to learn the history and all of that together. So it was like, Ooh, who's going to hatch? Who's going to hatch? But yeah, it was probably six, seven, eight weeks. Well, it's a long time to prepare for a job for sure. I, I bet the excitement or frustration probably builds while you're waiting that, that, that month and a half, two months to, uh, finally be able to go out on your own. I'm sure the anticipation is pretty, uh, pretty big to, to want to become that. Yeah. We would take, of course we would take other people's tours and early on, I was just, I was just so impressed. I was like, how do you know? They seem to know something about every street, every building. And I look up like, wow, I, I don't know if I can do that. And then just little by little, keep layering it up. And of course, now I think most people would say if they look back at their jobs or at their careers, if they're an athlete or a musician or something, and like, wow, I thought I was, thought I was pretty good back then. I was like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> like, I feel bad for the people who paid for my tour 13 <laughs> years ago. Although it's not always that cut and dry, right? Because as a newbie, you're fresh off the book. So you might know stuff that the veteran hasn't been talking about. And if we don't talk about it year after year after year, you, you don't really know it. So there's parts of the training book where I'm like, yeah, I decided I didn't think that was that interesting, so I don't talk about it. So a new person could ask me, it's like, isn't it true that John Hancock, blah, blah, blah? I'm like, maybe. <laughs> but you don't I, know I don't, everything? I don't know everything. <laughs> That's very disappointing, I must I admit. Guess I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Who's who's the typical client? Um, I know that the age range is all over the place. Um, I would imagine... Boston being a very big tourist town, you must have mostly tourists, but you correct me if I'm wrong. I know I know lots of locals. I've taken the tour, 
What what percentage do you think are locals versus tourists? Ballpark. I, I know you don't know that for sure, but it's a good question. Um, it might be anecdotal because I have a cousin who lives in town, and he will bring people uh, whenever he has guests from out of town. He'll bring them. So, pe- I think a lot of people do that. We get a lot of people who like, wow, I've you know I've never taken a tour. So the ducks have been going twenty something years since ninety four. And they'll say, I've never taken the tour. I think it's an interesting product because it's it's kind of sold. The, the line goes, you know, one big splash and the rest is history. And that's what we, one of our, our taglines. And so it can backfire in some ways or, or be twisted a little bit because, like, during this hot uh, weather, people hear one big splash. Let's take the kids on this one big splash. Well, we're going through the city for an hour. And they're like, oh, my God, it's 90 degrees out. We're going to the city for an hour. Where's that big splash? <laughs> We're still waiting for the big splash. So it's, and some people think it's, um, you know, it's geared towards children, too. Well, we like to say, I like to say, there's no perfect tour. And so if I do all history, there's going to be somebody who said, geez, that was kind of dry. And if I do all comedy, someone's going to say, I didn't get any history. Um, so as the Ducks, I think they tell us um, we'd like... I think about 80% history, and I throw in about 20% jokes to keep it light. There are people who, well, so the different narrators focus on different things. So again, back to it being a tough thing to, I think, to market and sell the tour is because it sounds like a kid's tour. And so that's why I can imagine a 45-year-old guy and his girlfriend or something like, why would we want to go on this kid's tour? And some of the narrators might be more uh, focused towards uh, a, a younger audience. Maybe I try to I try to get something for everybody. So if there's a really young person, all the way up to grandma, um, I try to get something for everybody. And but it is a history tour, so I feel my job is to make history fun. So I'm doing the history, but I'm making it interesting. But I do get people who uh, will take a tour then, and they had never taken one, and they're hopefully very surprised and like oh my gosh i thought i didn't know it was going to be this fun and interesting it's like i thought oh my gosh paul revere whatever um and, and we get a lot of kids groups school groups and i'll hear narrators say oh these kids they wouldn't listen or anything and i said well it's, it's your job it's your job to to interest them so much that they it will you know, sit down and listen so yeah it's a wide range of guests uh, do do you have a G-rated version of history and also an R-rated version of history, depending on your audience? Is there are there facts that you may pull out, knowing there's not a kid on board that you might say, "All right, we can go a little racy on on this particular thing." Or Andy, that's a good question. Definitely not R. Uh, maybe a little PG, um, but what we're reminded of all the time is that we are uh, ambassadors to the city. And our microphones, our speakers, are very loud. And so you could have a bunch of adults, and yet uh, people on the street hear us. Yeah. People on the street hear us. Yeah, so people have tried to say, oh, yeah, and it was a corporate group, and we were totally cool with it. It was like, what about those people on the street? And they really do hear us. And we, and we get stuff. We'll get things from uh, Cheers, because sometimes people will say stuff about Cheers. Well, it's really disappointing because it doesn't look like the show at all. And they'll come out of the. They'll be like, "Thanks, Duck Tours, telling everybody not to come to our bar." And I always say, "Don't be disappointed. It doesn't look like the show. It's a. I'll say it's a great bar, but it doesn't look like the show because they did not film in there. But definitely a great bar. And you know, I, I play it up, which it is. And we are all part of Boston. We're not supposed to uh, talk about negative stuff. Um, and I, and I don't." You know, if people ask us about um, the marathon bombing, I don't bring that up. Um, if they ask about it, I might say something quickly, and I say we can talk about it later if you want. Because sometimes, right after it happened, people, uh, restaurants and stuff along the route, would be like, every time you come by, you're talking about this. Where people on the, are listening to that all day long. Can you, you know, can we get a little more upbeat? Yeah, and you're not trying to scrub history. I, I assume you're you're no. really just trying to be um, more. F- focused on the positive and there's it's an hour and 20 minute tour and i'm talking the whole time you can't get to everything so it's not like there's dead air and you're not going to talk about 
the marathon history or something like that. It's like you're trying to fit in so much. And at the end, you didn't talk about the molasses disaster and you didn't talk about this and that. So there's so many fun and cool things to bring in. You know, why even waste time on the negative? But yeah, no, I, I love the, you know, history. And, and yeah, I'll talk about anything, especially after the tour. Yeah. Even Rosie Ruiz, do you ever? Even Rosie <laughs> Ruiz, <laughs> who, if you don't know, she uh, she took a subway on the on the marathon in 1980. Um, and I like when things come up. Uh, so uh, a number. So I've been doing this 13 years, and so something came up in the news. I think about two or three years ago that she had died, and then they said, "Or did she?" <laughs> <laughs> So it, it, she's on her way to heaven, but she's on the subway. <laughs> she's going the fast route. <laughs> Lotsofmaps.com. Vintage, local, national, and world maps for an affordable price. 99% of our maps are $25 or less. Great as gifts. Frame them or put them under glass for your home, vacation home, or as a memory of a special place. Lotsofmaps.com. All right, so let's dive into what you what you talk about on the tour. Um we don't have to get into specifics, but let's let's be general on this. Um, obviously, we're going to hear the names we all know—the Paul Revere's, the you know, the John Hancock's, and and things like that. Um, how deep do you go into characters that the average person doesn't know? It's a good question. As far as narration goes, I do try to 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 change it up. So I try to do some facts, and then I usually finish with like a little, maybe a little funny thing, just a little line. And then uh, tell a story, and then ask questions. So you change the pace uh, of it. Because if you just get up there and you, and you drone, it just sounds like droning. If you're just telling dates and whatnot, uh, one of my techniques too is to to ask questions. Because if I told you when they they figured out how to use ether at uh, Mass General Hospital, and before that date that I haven't told you, I'll say that a lot of people would get operated on fully awake. Right, and they would die from the, the trauma of the operation. Now, if I just tell you the date, you might just go, "Oh yeah, oh that sounds about right," or something. But if I say, "What year do you think that is?" and make you think about, it, and I'll make the whole duck think about it. We're on the water at this point, so I can go a little bit deeper. Um, and so I'll, I'll pull out one person and ask. And um, Andy, do you have any guesses when they figured out how to use ether to? So I put people to sleep. I've been to the ether dome. Oh, so yeah. and I've, uh, but I my memory is not so good. I believe it was late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. So I I had a, a a young person on my duck recently, nineteen years old. I asked him. He said nineteen ninety five. And I said, thinking you, that's probably not. You true. just don't care about anything that happened before you were born, do you? This is just a blank slate. <laughs> and then I asked another guy, and he was right in front of me, and he said 1846. And I looked at him. I said, are you a doctor? He said, yes. I said, do you work over there? He goes, yes, I do. <laughs> 1846, yeah. So it was before the American Civil War. And this is the kind, this is my narration right now. I'll talk about trying to put things in perspective, too, because you don't want to kill people with dates. People are like, oh, why do we care if it was 1846 or 1886? What well, was before the American Civil War? And so people, so many people needed that. And then I'll try to bring in some pop culture like um, Dances with Wolves because the opening scene is on the American Civil War battlefield. And the first line is the doctors are about to amputate Kevin Costner's leg. And they say, we just ran out of ether. So it's kind of like if I see something that comes back like, oh, good. Yeah, that was. It, it, they had found out in 1846, and this is a little bit later. I like when it, it brings it together because people will respond to it in different ways. Of course, there's always those movies that are... Wrong. Fascinately, <laughs> very, very wrong and and uh, are way off the mark, and you wonder who's in charge of continuity. But whatever. Um, well, what do they say? Roman Roman soldiers don't wear watches. Oh, there you go. Is that Ben Hur? <laughs> <laughs> um, we are allowed to steal, um, borrow from other narrators. If we hear some a joke or part of history or something, a nice way of saying something, we, we're allowed to take it. Um, except if it's something you can hear at the duck stop. So we have three duck stops, the Prudential, the Museum of Science, and the Aquarium. And so if, if uh, guests are going to hear an introduction and you try to steal that, the next guest could be sitting there at the game a little bit early and they already heard that and now you hear it. It's like, no, you can't take anything that people are going to hear at the 
the, like the beginning or the end of the tour. So I was pretty happy. Uh, somehow I came up with a crescendo uh, to start my tour. And it was, I think it was my first year. And I, I remember some of the veterans going, oh, that's pretty good. Because here are these strangers. They don't know if they got a good narrator. They don't know. They've been waiting in the heat and whatever. And I immediately, you know, get, we got to get out of here and get some wind through your hair. And we need a crescendo. And that works even if they don't speak English very well. They're like, oh, what's happening? And all of a sudden, whoa, and we, we go away. And, and the people on the side are like, wow, like he just, he's known them for 30 seconds. And they're doing what he wants them to do which right there is a big thing, right? And you get buy-in. And the other thing I do is right away, uh, I say, um, welcome to Chicago, everyone, as we're driving off. And I, because otherwise, you have to get a laugh early. Um, I've driven for other narrators, and they might wait like 12 minutes, and they actually say something very funny at the 12th minute mark, but people are not primed. They haven't been laughing, they haven't had the smile going, and they're like, oh, that was kind of funny, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in a laughing space yet. So I want people to know right away. So I'd say, "Welcome to Chicago. We are the Windy City. Uh, Wrigley Field was built in 1914." And so it's kind of like, okay. And then I, and that's all I know about Chicago. And but so then they know, okay, this guy's going to be goofy. But then, and then they go get some people early on, like this guy's going to be too goofy. And then I'll hit him with some some serious history, like, oh, okay, all right. So he's got good okay we're not just going to be listening to goofy stuff he's got real it's so it's a real balancing act that's great and i i I suppose you're pretty good about reading your audience and understanding what's working what's not and do you need to adjust on the fly sometimes just depending on the reactions you get totally and uh it's interesting because they'll have a little test balloons definitely now if you you go from different locations so there's sometimes you can't have the same intro because you're going by different things in the first couple minutes so there's there's some narrators like oh i got a good i got a really good starting for the prudential tour but then you know at the museum of science not as good because i don't know what to talk about there or whatever um but i have i have a line uh for the old um the king's chapel burial ground and i'll say um that uh this is the oldest burial ground in boston and uh, Mary Chilton came over on the Mayflower. She's buried there. John Winthrop, in charge of the first Puritans in Boston, buried there. And even the guy who invented the crossword puzzle. And he is kind of point over. You go, he is five across and six down. <laughs> and if, if you get, like, nothing out of that, then you know that either, you know, they're sleeping through it. All, I'm not, not sleeping through it, but... They don't have to be listening. They paid their money. If they just want to ride around Boston, look at the buildings, they can do that. It's, I'm really not the star, right? The city is the star. The, the duck is the star. But then if I get nothing out of that, which is very rare, but if I get nothing, I'm like, okay. And then I, I, I take all the jokes out because I'm like, if, if they don't want the jokes, I'm not going to do them. And it's easier. It's easier not to do the jokes. I could do the history. The jokes take something out of you because there's timing and there's you have to show your face and smile and get them all. If you want to do just history, great. I'll just do that. So it's every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but you usually get something out of that and you get and and it's also the rolling one too, where it takes them a moment and then and then they'll start laughing a little bit. I'm like, okay, you'll catch up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so the stupid people is what you're saying. <laughs> um, do you ever get uh, groups of people that uh, have never uh, a full busload of people? Uh, maybe it's a it's a group of folks that have never done crossword puzzles before. <laughs> that could be it. They haven't heard about that. They haven't made it to Ohio I, yet. I would imagine that would be a, a failure of a test balloon because, uh, you know. <laughs> so tell me, um, how many tours do you give in a day? And, and you know, uh, what is your day like? How, how, how long are the tours? I, I would imagine you go specific routes. Um, are there alternate routes that you can take? There are alternate routes, yes. So a typical day, which is, uh, so I do training of new new duck tour uh, narrators and drivers. And so, yeah, sometimes they come in, they have no idea, well, what is my day going to look like? So our ducks are in Dorchester. We have 28 of them. They all are um, uh, parked inside now. When I got there, there were ducks that had to park outside, but they built another part of the um, the garage and uh, so you start out in Dorchester, and you you know by the um, schedule where your first tour is and um, when and where it is. So you could be at 9 o'clock at the Moss Museum of Science. That means you're going to clock in uh, 
65 minutes before. So your first tour is 9. So you clock in at, at 7.55. And you um, change. If you're a narrator, you're going to change into your character outfit. If you're a driver, um, you're going to do what you need. Uh, put on whatever you want. Um, but you can do a circle check. So we have to, we're professional drivers. We have to check the vehicle. And we go under it. We have to go underneath it. There are seven plugs in the duck. And if a plug is left out, if you got in the water, that would be a bad thing. Now, our mechanics are awesome, and they're, they're all like triple checked. In 13 years, I have never seen a plug out. Never. Um, but I still have to go under. So we get on a, a creeper, and we get underneath the duck. And you're also checking for any leaks or anything that looks weird. Um, I told you all the things that we need to be to do this uh, job. We don't have to know that much about the mechanics of the ducks. Mm. To get your CDL, you do, but we have such great mechanics, we're not going to be fixing the duck. And we have um, an extra duck and team throughout the day. So if a duck broke down, we, we would call for the extra duck and the mechanic. And so uh, it would not be good for me to get up and get under the hood because I have to be entertaining the group wild people come so i don't fix the ducks and i can't fix the ducks uh, but we have we do five tours a day so if if i'm a nine o'clock at the aquarium i'm going to be scheduled to do a nine eleven one three five so every two hours and um it's it's a lot of talking it's over i think it's over seven hours i think i did the math was seven hours of straight talking so it's two hours between tours, and but it's an hour and 20-minute tour. So if you can get back in an hour and 20 minutes, and then people come down the ladder and say goodbye and stuff, so you might get 20 minutes to yourself. But if there's any traffic, you could be doing an hour and 30, hour 40. Um, and if you do that a few times a day, you're, you're talking for an extra hour, that kind of thing. We do pick and drops which is uh, we will pick a group up at a different location and drop them at a different location. That's by request only, I would imagine. Yes, and it costs more. It's usually a corporate group. Yep. And uh, yeah, that we're going to all be at, um, we're going to be at Fenway Park. It could be a Fenway, which we do not drive by Fenway on a regular tour. Uh, we go over to Fenway Park, pick them up, and they'll say whether it's a full tour because uh, they have scheduled lunch somewhere, or scheduled dinner somewhere, or they just want to go straight to the water and come back, or that kind of thing. Or we're going to drop them off at Maggiano's. It takes a big group of people. So, yeah, so I like pick and drops because it changes things up. Like, where are we going? That would be great. So so do you have history prepared for no matter kind of where you pick people up? I mean, that must change things for you. That's, that's uh, very appropriate question too um yeah and you talk you asked about the alternate routes so once in a while um like beacon hill might be closed and all of a sudden you get this alternate route now sometimes the guests know it and sometimes it's on the fly so we do know sometimes we have to go um straight over uh the mass ave bridge to cambridge and make our way over to the ramp that way and so um yes you have to know something about all the areas. But there's also things that you can do, and I tell this to new narrators. If you know you're not going up Beacon Hill then and you get into Cambridge, you don't know that much about Cambridge, think about the stuff that you spoke about on, on Beacon Hill. And sometimes you really want to because John Hancock had his mansion up there, and that, that's, uh, I think that's a really good visual. And if you don't get up there and don't get to mention it, it's like, well, well, when we get in the water, you can see uh, the Capitol, uh, the State House. And so you can say, you can talk about it then. Or if you're in Cambridge, you might even be able to see it. So you can do some tricks like that where you're not actually talking about exactly what's on the street if you're in areas that you don't usually go. And there are things, too, I tell them to look inside the duck. So if you're stuck in traffic in Cambridge and you're like, gosh, I don't know what to talk about. It's like, hey, tell them about the ducks themselves because you haven't got to that yet. Tell them about uh, Kilroy was here because that is a story about, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a story about World War II and it's written on the ducks. And so if you're stuck, you can look in and say, hey, these signatures on the roof, on the canopy are because they used to be in the, in the wars and so we have uh, veterans signed. So look within, think about different fun stories. And then we have also in the, in the training, you definitely have your traffic stories like the molasses flood. 
and the thank you tree. So Halifax sent down, sends down the Christmas tree because we helped them out of the 1917 explosion that was up there. And so you can talk about these things that don't have to have a location. And so, yeah, you got to keep it going. Talk, And then you can also ask questions of them and stuff like that. But, yeah, it, it, good to know something about all different areas, even if you're not usually there. So I would imagine, unless you're a historian, you mix in a lot of different things. Uh, again, my question earlier was, was you talk about the people we know, the Paul Revere's and, and such, but you, you must leave everybody, leaving, leaving a duck must, must feel like they've just learned something, a lot of things new, because it sounds like you get deeper into, I mean, you know, the typical person doesn't know anything about the molasses flood unless you live here, and I only know because I live, live here and learned it when I was younger, but the average person doesn't, from out of town isn't going to know that story that's that's for sure um they must feel like they're they're leaving with i mean and boston has a ton of history you're not you don't need to make anything up we get some wacky stuff that happened too which is entertaining for sure but i would imagine that that part of it um must leave a lot of people feeling like they just learned a lot a lot of new stuff that they never knew about boston I definitely strive for that. You know, I want people's eyes to go, I didn't know that. And uh, I, I actually um, wrote a note about that because it is fun when I see someone's face kind of go, oh, really? Or, or an ooh, I was talking about um, the ether. Uh, if you were, I said, I, sometimes I ask, you know, any of you, have any of you been operated, put to sleep to be operated on? Can you imagine having an operation without ether? And and some people go, ooh, like, and, and I know they're listening, right? So, and I'll even say, hey, thanks for that face. I don't care whether you like it or not. Um, you're listening, and that's all we ask for. I do try to um, get stuff that people haven't heard before. I, I really don't want to be boring. I don't want people to get off and say, yeah, I heard all the same stuff. Uh, I do like to go deeper and look, and I also want to be current because I want people to know that um, I'm not just giving them a tour from three years ago. So when there's like Shakespeare in the Park, which they've been doing for about 26 years, uh, I want to know what the play is. So I'll say this year it's Much Ado About Nothing. And if there's, and I'll look up quotes, and if there's something that's kind of funny or something, I'll say, I'll mention the quote. You're really just auditioning for that when you do it, and you're hoping they, they hear you <laughs> over the microphone, <laughs> I would imagine. I love Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> Children... You really got to engage them, right? So one of my questions I'll say is, hey, kids, do you know why manhole covers are round? And I know these days you could get get in trouble with the manhole cover. Um, Andy, do you know why they're round? (laughs) Yes, I I think I do. But I I think of myself as a know-it-all, so I'm probably (laughs) going to make this up. I'm guessing manhole covers are round because the cover itself can't fall in if it's round. Excellent. And if it's square, it could actually fall into the hole. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's what I think is a, a fun fact. And if you think about it, if it were square, rectangular, you could pick it up, you could change the, the attitude of it, and it could fall in, it could kill somebody, and there'll be a hole in the ground. And so usually kids are like, oh. And then I, I kind of jumped to like, so you know, look around, there could be things about the city that are a certain way. Uh, not everything's got a lot of thought put into it. Let me talk about, um, there's a big fire. We got a lot of fires in Boston history. Um, but th- that's when they started having the doors open out. And you'd think, well, then the doors, if they were just really big, the doors could open. And the bigger they are, the better. It's like, well, not really, because then they're going to block the sidewalk. So there's a balance. You need them opening up, but not blocking. And So I will, hopefully some of the kids will go, oh, okay, so there's some reason behind the things we're looking at. Another little back thing about the the manhole covers is that they're very heavy, and so if they're round, you can roll them. So yeah, you pick them up, and now you can roll it out of the way. So again, little things like that. So I try to look. I've done I've done so many tours that I try to look at everything around. Did you guys notice this light over here? Because again, it's just the whole way people approach information it's like if i'm talking about 1776 that's going to be one part of the brain where they have to imagine it but then they can go to oh i'm looking at that light and i'm dealing with that and i think it's kind of refreshing to be using all parts of your brain like that one thing i'm getting from this interview is is how much you care as a driver i i would assume that uh, a good number of the drivers care um i i I imagine the, the company encourages 
that behavior and uh, wants you to put your 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 best foot forward. Are there what are the stipulations that the company has as far as what information they want to want you to include? What kind of restrictions do they have on you? Do they they want to see your tour and make sure that they're happy with what you're doing? All all aspects, history, jokes, the whole bit. What kind of a leash are they giving you um, as far as being able to be uh, your own person and, and create your own tour? One of the biggest complaints we get from guests is that he spoke too much about himself <laughs> or herself. So we will get that. And it's, again, I guess I keep coming back to balance because you don't, I don't want it to be like a textbook. I want it to be something that reflects me. And I love games and I invent games. That's why I went with Jigsaw. There's other characters. Most characters have something to do with the person. Uh, we had a guy who did some stunt uh, work in Hollywood, uh, Extreme Eddie Airtime, and he is a stuntman, so that's his character. And so usually people have something to do with their character. So you, you definitely want to make it personal without being, and then, you know, my sister, this and that. So, so as far as restrictions, as far as content, are, are, how does the company... Um, are they pretty hands-off? They allow you to kind of do what you, you want to do? They're getting more handsy, uh, as I think everybody is. Um, and we've had some of the old-timers from previous years kind of move on because they felt like they were being restricted. And there's things that used to be funny that you can't say anymore, stuff like that. As far as content, they there's some things that we're supposed to talk about. Again, they don't want people just getting up there... It is a little intoxicating when you get 35 people laughing at something you say, and then you want to you want to build on that, and all of a sudden it becomes uh, just a, a little comedy improv thing. And it's like, yeah, where's the history? Come on, go back to it. There's You know there's at least a few people who are waiting for that. So there are a few things they've asked us to talk about, and you talked about deep diving. Mary Dyer, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mary Dyer. So it used to be this um, this mural on Newbury Street, and it was on Dartmouth and Newbury. There was a big parking. They're putting a building there now, but there's a parking lot. And there was a mural, big three-story mural on the brick wall. And it had all these people. Now, I grew up in Needham, Massachusetts, not too far out of town. And um, I thought, well, I'm going to know a lot of these people. I'm, I'm a native. And there's a, um, there was a legend. You know, there was this, this thing right down by the street. And you could look and see who these people were. I didn't know any of those people. So, and I'm trying to think of who they probably were. One was probably Mary Dyer. Now, she um, she lived in Boston, and she was a, a Puritan to begin with, and she became a Quaker. And so there is a statue of her next to the State House. So that's why we talk about her. And she was hanged for being a Quaker. Can you imagine that Puritans come here for religious freedom, and they don't want to share it with anyone? So she's banned down to Rhode Island because Roger Williams said you can come down here. And she kept coming back because she didn't want Quakers being persecuted. And in 1660, she was hanged on the Boston Common. And But then we say that she, um, she sits there as a, a symbol of religious freedom because John Adams heard about her story and put freedom of religion in the Massachusetts uh, Constitution. Um, so... My company, Boston Duck Tours, really wants us to mention Mary Dyer. And I don't know if that goes back. It could go back to the owner, Andy Wilson, um, who sadly died um, a number of years ago. Again, before I, I met him, uh, it was like 2005 or so. Um, but he, he, history was important to him. He wanted to get things right. And so I think we're supposed to talk about Mary Dyer. I try to talk about so many things that they never, they don't, my company doesn't question me. They know I'm going to give a lot of good history. Uh, I think some of the things are, hey, if you're not giving a history, make sure at least you talk about Mary Dyer and at least you talk about the landfill project that filled in Boston. Um, you know, some of the big things like that. That's just in case you're not getting any real good content. And like I said before, they don't want you to be negative. I want to talk about, oh, this street is always, we're not supposed to talk about traffic. This street is always jammed up, or this, there's always a lot of trash over here, which is, which is not really true. Like, we do have people from all over the world and the, and the country and the world, and I usually hear that Boston's very clean. They're very, like, hey, it's, it's very clean. So just to keep on the positive side. Well, that's good. I, I, I mean, it sounds to me like 
um, you're able to kind of do your own thing for the most part. And that's, that's something that is disappearing, I think, in, in this world. And, and especially with creative jobs like yours, it's not just here's a script, read it verbatim. It's nice to know no, no, that no. that's uh, that you have that that freedom to become who you want and make your tour your own. That's great. I, uh, you know, if I could say to young people starting out in their careers, look look for the different types of careers if if that's what you need. Because I didn't I didn't know that this is where I would end up. I tried lots of things. I I do create games, and I just knew that I couldn't be at a desk job. But I didn't know that the Ducks would be such a good spot for me. And when I got there, I was like, wow, I love this because I can change things on the fly. I like that. And people aren't, you know, looking over my shoulder so much. And in the beginning, um, there was even more freedom of some of the roots. We do have different roots. But I like that I can hear something on the radio in the morning. And if they say that um, Xander Bogarts, you know, just got, you know, his third double of, of the week and there's a record for this or that, I can mention that because there'll be people in who are going to the Red Sox that night. And if I tell them something that I just learned and I didn't have to put it through a committee or get by anybody, as long as I make it interesting and keep it clean, um, then I can I can do that. Oh. That's great. That's good good freedom to have in a job for it sure. Is. I say to people on the tour that I like that our my job has a um, kind of a, a flow to it and a rhythm. When we start tours in March we have the Charles River to ourselves. Mm. And if there's ice on the river, we um, we can't give tours. We can cut through the ice, but what we've done in training sometimes is when it's icy out there and we're just, just us, you try to go up the ramp and you actually slide down the ramp. Uh-huh. Now, if we need to, we can tow each other out. We have a line in the front and the back, so that's what we have to do, back a duck down and, and tow it out. But so we, we have the place to ourselves in March, and then it starts getting busier and people show up. And, of course, busiest is, is the 4th of July and so you get a lot of private boats, which is a lot of fun. The drawbridge going up, and there's lots of things to look at. And then we it starts tailing off again, and it goes down too. And the last tour is usually the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so by then you've got the river to yourself again. So you, you get to see the rhythm of Boston. You see the trees, you know, when they're naked, and then they're green, and then they're orange. And you get to see the whole thing of life. And, uh, and you get a little break in the wintertime, so that's a good thing. Well, and I imagine your job being in Boston, we've talked about the history of, of all of it, but uh, what would it be like to be a narrator in, uh, you know, Terre Haute, Indiana? Well, I've, I've thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that, like, would I want to do that somewhere else? Now, I uh, we do have narrators who come from other places, but I always liked that I'm from here, so that if someone asks me about the blizzard of 78, I can tell them that I was here, and that's when we opened up the new lock and dam system that we are actually going right near, so I can tie right into that. And I just like that, that there's a depth to the tour because I'm from here. Um, I guess it's okay to do it, you know, if guys from Alabama is giving you a tour of Boston, I guess that's okay, but I would, I would want someone from there. I did travel to um, New Zealand a number of years ago. They have ducks down there. Oh. And I took a duck tour. I assume they go the other direction. <laughs> they do. And they're called WKUDs. <laughs> um, and I considered actually doing tours down there in the wintertime, since that's their summertime. And I talked to the one of the guys there, had been to Boston, and he knew about the duck tours and knew that we were, we were considered to be one of the premier tours and um but when i took their tour i was actually kind of bored like i love new zealand it's beautiful but the duck tours go into this little lake that kind of it's near a place that has like kind of the sulfury smell and stuff so you're going by trees like that made me really appreciate boston I'm like wow we've got the revolutionary history we've got the sports history we've got the invention of the telephone so we've got the industrial revolution and on and on you've got so much history civil rights and so we can talk about so many things. It was a, a beautiful country, New Zealand. Not good duck tours. <laughs> so the ducks are are a big part of today's tourist attractions in Boston. Certainly have a good name. But uh, the powers that be here in Boston have decided this is a good way to uh, gather folks together for special occasions. For example, uh, Boston's had an incredible run 
of incredible amount of championships, sports championships. And uh, someone in the city government decided uh, this would probably be a great idea to show off our uh, our championship pride without having to have massive crowds in one particular place. We would just do a parade instead. And hey, let's use those wacky ducks, not duck boats, ducks. Um, we'll, we'll use a whole parade of them. And it's a pretty good idea. And I think it's expanded from there. Tell me a little bit about about that and what it's like to drive in something like that. Yeah, so the rolling rallies. Uh, the story goes that, um, yeah, it was either the Patriots or the Red Sox came to all the, the tour companies in Boston and said, we need some some vehicles for a, a parade. And the story goes that the other companies said, okay, we'll do it for this much and we'll do it for that much. And Boston Ducks said, we'll do it for free. And, uh, yeah, they were smart. Like, it becomes, you know, synonymous with championship parade, rev up the ducks. It's it's really exciting. I, I really, it's, it's uh, one of the things we did was we get very early over to Dorchester. We're talking about 4.30 in the morning. And we get the ducks, so it's dark and pending upon. Let's talk about, well, the last Red Sox parade. Uh, so I showed up to the, the duck uh, garage and everybody was getting their assignments to their duck. And we drive all the different ducks. And it's a Red Sox parade. I went upstairs for a moment. I came back down. Everybody was gone. I said to my boss, you know, which, what, what do I have? Which duck? And he goes, you're on Nathan. And I turned to walk away. And then I was like, wait a minute, Nathan. The whole name of Nathan is Red Sox Nathan. I said, Red Sox Nate. I turned around. And I'm like, he looks at me and goes, yeah, number one. I'm like, I'm the number one duck. That's very cool. And we all have a deckhand because there's a lot of craziness on the duck. And he goes, yep, your deckhand is Cindy Brown, our CEO. And I said, oh, I like to be number one duck, Cindy Brown. And so then we get a, um, a police escort, which is it's, everyone should do, right? They say that <laughs> you don't get that till your funeral, right? It's like, so you drive the ducks. Now, there's not a lot of traffic at like now. It's about five or something in the morning. But just to drive through... Uh, Dorchester over to Fenway Park for this one and we line up and then you know then we are able to go and get some coffee and stuff because we wait for everyone to show up so I'm on my duck right up in front and on comes um, Pedro Martinez and then big poppy David Ortiz and David came down the aisle was shaking everybody's hands and I looked at him, I said, you're a hugger. And I went in for the hug. <laughs> and later I thought, well, he probably hugs people he knows. Or, or maybe after they hit a home run or something like that. Um, but once the, once the parade starts, I don't have uh, interaction with the people on my duck, really, because I've got to be paying attention. Um, I, I would like to mention uh, another thing about that parade that was really touching for me. They have some things kind of like a Make-A-Wish program. And so you never know who's going to be on your tour. Could be some families, could be press, could be anybody. So before Pedro and David showed up, um, this family showed up. They looked at me and they said, Jigsaw, we had your tour this summer. I'm like, of course you did. I remember you, which I kind of did, didn't, but I try to connect with everybody. And they're like, they were so, they were so elated, and uh, their son was getting treatment uh, at one of the hospitals, and he got to be on the first duck, and they were so sweet because they were like, we're definitely happy to be in the parade, but we're so psyched it's you, and I, so I have a picture of me with them, and, uh, and that, that's, that, that's pretty cool. That's the kind of thing you hope you touch people. Well, and especially on a day when they're going to see so many other stars, and you're the, you're the main <laughs> attraction. That's... Uh... That's pretty special. Well, and I think that says something about humans, right? It's like they're looking at David Ortiz and, and, and the crowds and stuff, but that's a bit impersonal. But we had a connection, so to, that, that means so much. It means you know, maybe more than stardom. It's like, well, those are great, and everyone's looking at them, but we know this guy, and he right. knows us. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's cool. That's great. Well, that being said... I'm hearing rumors that you have uh, officially given your last tour. Tell me more. What 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 gives? <laughs> what gives? It's time for me to move move on. So I've done 13 years, and I think I've done about 4,000 tours. Wow, 4,000 times. That's a lot. When I think about splashing in the Charles River, that's 4,000 in and 4,000 out. So I've been on that ramp 8,000 times, plus all the training and whatnot. 
Um, I would never have thought that I would have been here that long. Now, in uh, 13 years ago, we had seven of us start, and there are still two of us left. Um, Plucky Ruffles actually does more training, so I'm not sure if he did many tours this year. But there are people who have done or been there longer. So we've had like an 18-year and a 20-year, and so God love them, you know, for doing that. Um, I would have thought that it would get um, old, but I've been, for me, I've been able to keep it fresh, I feel, and now it's just starting to turn. I think I'm, think I'm getting where I'm saying the same stuff a little bit too much, and I've got some ideas of other things that I want to do. I will be uh, turning 60 in April. And I was like, you know what? Life is short. And I've been talking about these other ideas. Um, so it's been a really special place. And I've done five championship uh, parades. Uh, I got to drive. My first one was in um, 2011 for the Bruins. And I was the second duck, which is the best you put down that windshield. And you're looking at the at the first duck. And that has the the Stanley Cup trophy and to be up there like I said you got a great view on the duck uh, of everything and to be going through the crowds at that level and it's just really special to grow up near Boston and, and to be able to drive through town I mean I've done St. Patrick's Day Parade I'd never been to the St. Patrick's Day Parade before and the only time I went was in a duck and um, Gay Pride Parade and St. Columbus Day Parade and the Hasty Pudding over in Harvard. And I've had an MTV movie crew come on, or film crew come on. We did, um, well, the most famous person I was with was um, Nick Offerman, if you know the actor Nick Offerman. Of course, from uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, movies. Yep. Um, and his wife. Megan Mullally yeah. from Will and Grace and many other things. They and, were and Parking Recs. Re- was she? Oh, Rex. she also in Parking Recs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they were great. Um, I had them on my tour, and it was when I was doing the driving as well. And uh, so, what you do is when you have to drive and narrate, you sit and you talk to the group for a little bit and get a little intro, and then you get in a seat and you start driving. And we have a big mirror, so we still, when we tell stories, sometimes we still look up as if we're talking into the mirror. But so I sat down, and I'm doing my intro, and I'm like, wow, this this guy looks like Nick Offerman. And it was only, I'd only been there a few years, I think. And uh, I was like, oh, it really looks like Nick Offerman. And uh, while I'm talking, right, so that's what you do. So I get in and start driving. And I actually gave that line about the crossword puzzle. And um, and later on, we talked briefly about it. But uh, on the water, we get people coming up and driving, which is nice. And uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. But so a young child came up from the back to drive, and Nick took a picture. And I and then that's when it occurred to me. I'm like, oh, wait, you guys all together. His whole family was there. He was in town to do a confederacy of dunces at the Huntington Theater. So they're getting off a duck, and uh, and I said, Nick, do you mind if we get a picture? And, you know, I got a nice picture of me and Nick. He was great. And then his wife came over, and she said, Jigsaw, you were talking about this building, and I love when people ask questions. Like, wow, they really care about it. And that I hadn't seen her sitting right next to him. And so I looked down at her, and I said, oh, oh, I'm so, I didn't realize you were there. I'm like, you know, can we get a picture, I guess I said. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. She goes, yeah, Nick and I have been married for a long time. And I said, oh, so that means no chance for me? And she looked over at Nick and said, because he's talking to his family, go, hey, Nick, uh, I'm leaving with Jigsaw. <laughs> and he says, hun, we had a good run. <laughs> so they were really cool. So in the water, we do get uh, people come up and drive, which is fun for a lot of people. And we'll get people who are in their 20s or something and say, oh, I took a duck tour you know, 14 years ago, and I got to drive. And I was like, yeah, you get to drive in the water. So earlier this season, um, on another duck, uh, this uh, person came up to drive. And we have adults come up and drive, too. And the narrator told this person, hard to port, hard to port. He's telling him, telling this person how to drive a duck. And so this person goes back to this person's seat. The narrator's talking. And finally, this person says, oh, well, by the way, I am the... 77th commander of the USS Constitution. And the reason I keep saying this person is not to give it away, but she's the first woman commander ever of the Constitution, Commander Billy J. Farrell. And the reason I know all this is because she was so sweet. I think the narrator and the driver said, hey, you know, we showed you around our vessel. Maybe you could give us. She said, definitely. 
get some people from your company. Come on over. I will give you a tour of the USS Constitution, the oldest commission warship still afloat in the entire world today. So I got to be one of nine people who got a tour of the Constitution by Commander Billy J. Farrell. And it was so cool. She she took about an hour and a half with us, did not give us the bums rush. We got to go down where other people don't get to go. She opened up this uh, this trap door, and she said, if you want to climb down there, you can. Three of us went down, and we were right on the inside of the hull. We hung out with her for a while. She's from Kentucky. She's 39 years old. She's got two kids. She's sweet as can be, but also commanding, very commanding. And at the end, we're up on the deck. People were saying hi to her. Some people knew her story, and some people just thought maybe she was just dressed up. So she's she has to encounter all those kind of people. And I finally said to her, I said, we should all go out for a beer sometime. She said, I told you, it's bourbon. I'm from Kentucky. I said, <laughs> okay, Commander, got it. So did you get to drive? <laughs> <laughs> so I see a I picture of her here, and she's dressed... I assume it's Halloween. She's dressed as Captain Crunch. <laughs> she would tell people those uh, those um, shoulder things are metal, and they're each like seven pounds. Ooh. Yeah, and the hat is huge. You can't see because she's turning straight on, but sideways, it's really big. So that's why people didn't know she was just dressed up or she was really a commander. Wonderful, Steve. Thank you. Steve Heffernan, he is a duck tour, Boston duck tour, duck tater. No, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> Conductor? I like Ductator. <laughs> we could change it. Uh, Steve Heffernan, uh, Boston Ductors, Conductor. Um, thank you so much for your insight into what it takes to be a duck driver, as well as uh, a little bit of a, a peek into a little bit of Boston history. I uh, appreciate uh, the time. Thanks for coming. Thank you. And next time I'll ask you questions because you are fascinating. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Occupations. I uh, hope you'll join us again for the next uh, segment. Thank you again. Occupations has been brought to you by LotsOfMaps.com. Please follow Occupations, the podcast, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to find information about our next episode or to see what past episodes are available. <laughs>